Ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I am pleased to introduce today's speaker. He has a 10-year track record in Ontario's provincial government and is currently the Minister of Government Services as well as the government house leader. American leader Thomas Jefferson once said, whenever the people are well informed, the people can be trusted with their own government. A new way in which the Ontario government is planning to inform the population is through its innovative initiative, Open Ontario. And that is what the Honourable John Malloy is here to talk about. His boss has asked each provincial minister to develop a plan on how they will become more open, collaborative and innovative. The ultimate goal? Engaging you, me and all Ontarians as equal partners in government. As Head of Government Services, Mr. Malloy's ministry is charged with modernizing and improving frontline government services. In this regard, he is well positioned to explain Open Ontario's approach to using technology to enhance access to information. This well-schooled political leader has held a number of key portfolios during his time at Queen's Park, including Minister of Training, Colleges and Universities, Minister of Research and Innovation, and Minister of Community and Social Services. This history major has a BA from Carleton University, a master's degree from the London School of Economics, and a doctorate in modern history from Oxford. Before I relinquish the podium, I would like to encourage our live audience to take this opportunity to participate in the conversation by filling out the question cards at your table. Somebody will be around to collect them uh, after you fill them out. And now I am pleased to turn the podium over to the Honourable Minister Malloy, who will tell us about Open Ontario. Minister, the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium, Canada's podium of record, is yours. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Gordon, for that very, very uh, kind introduction. And uh, thank all of you for uh, joining us here today at the Canadian Club, the audience. And I know there's, uh, there's folks watching live. Uh, I also want to thank Google for, for sponsoring this event. It's great to be back here at the Canadian Club. I was thinking the last time I spoke to the Canadian Club was June 2011, when I was Minister of Training Colleges and Universities. And the wild thing about that speech that day was that at the end of it, they actually gave me a DVD of the speech that I had just given. And I asked whether they still do that, and they said no, because now, as you heard, it's uh, available on, on iTunes. So I stress all this as a bit of a public service announcement, not in case uh, any of you are, are ever going to be speakers here or, or, in fact, want to see my speech, but in case any of you are married to anyone who gives a speech at the Canadian Club, don't make the same mistake my wife did last time I was here. I went home and, and she said, oh, I'm so sorry, I missed it. It's too bad there's no way I could see it. So, <laughs> Even I got a little bored by the 11th viewing of my speech to the Canadian Club, so <clears throat> wait till I tell her it's on iTunes. Um, I'm here today to talk about open government and uh, uh, the initiative that, as was mentioned, was uh, announced by Premier Wynne several months ago. And uh, rather than start with a description of the policy, which is sort of the traditional way of doing these things, I thought I'd turn the question around and instead try to describe the challenge uh, that this policy is trying to address through its uh, implementation. 
And you know, when you talk about the challenge behind open government, it's really not that complicated. It's government. It's about a perceived lack of connection between the public on the one hand and government on the other. For far too many people, government is an us and them proposition. Government in their minds is that group of people at Queen's Park or on Parliament Hill or on City Hall that kind of run things. And if you press them a bit, they might cynically add, don't really run things that well. Government, they argue, doesn't particularly listen. It doesn't really seem interested in solving everyday problems. And it seems afraid of making tough decisions. Now, do I believe this is an accurate description of government? You won't be surprised when I say, of course not. But do I believe that many people hold this view of government? My answer would be yes. And the reason why is because I think many people see government as a powerful, isolated institution that sits in judgment over this province like some old world monarch, what I like to call the Princess Diaries view of governing. Now, I'm sure everyone in the room is familiar with the Princess Diaries movies starring Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews. Now, for the few of you who don't, it's the story of a young American uh, student, uh, played by Anne Hathaway, who discovers that she's actually a princess and moves to a mythical European kingdom called Genovia to prepare for her new life. Now, in Princess Diaries 2, which, by the way, is much better than Princess Diaries 1, <laughs> she undergoes training on how to be a ruler. So she's directed to stand in an enormous throne room while citizens enter one by one, asking for her assistance, hoping for her generosity and benevolence. Now, I don't have a throne room at Queen's Park or in my constituency office, but I've got to tell you, I have met many, many people who have this view of government. Government is about the public coming cap in hand to ask for a favor, to ask for funding, and to hope for the best. And it's not surprising that people who hold this view in government, hold this view of government, also believe that we're not really doing that great a job. The government simply can't make the important decisions, some of them tough, needed to address the real challenges we face. Now, I compare this attitude to another Hollywood classic that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, the movie Dave. You may remember this Kevin Klein hit, everyone's nodding, where uh, an ordinary guy who happens to be the spitting image of the President of the United States accidentally assumes the post. Now, my favorite scene is when the phony President needs $650 million to help homeless children. So he calls on his friend Murray Bloom, played by Charles Grodin, everyone remembers the scene, and uh, Murray's an accountant, and he comes over to the White House and they spend a couple of hours going through the books of the United States of America, and of course they very easily find the $650 million and the homeless kids are saved. Now I know these are cheesy Hollywood films, but I believe they reflect an all too common view of government as this remote, separate institution that seems to have all the tools at hand. I mean, Charles Grodin could find $650 million, so they've got all the tools at hand to address these big issues, but for a variety of reasons, they fail to use them, what the critics triumphantly call a lack of leadership. Now, this is a simple description of government. It's a compelling description of government, 
But my friends, it is not an accurate description of government. Government is not us and them. We are all government. In fact, all government representatives like me are is a group of people who you've delegated a little bit of your power to so that you can get on with your lives. And as to the challenges we face as individuals and as to a society, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret that will be registered on iTunes. Governments don't have all the answers. Far from it. We live in a complex world where many issues are beyond the capacity of government alone to solve. They instead demand all of us, all facets of society, to take responsibility, to make a contribution, and to come together to try to address them. There is no us and them. And I would argue that the only way to deal with our complicated world is to convince citizens to abandon this view and to begin to take ownership of government. Hence, open government, an initiative aimed at changing the way citizens think about and interact with those that govern them. Now, Ontario didn't invent open government. It's actually a global movement that's been around for several years. In fact, a few years ago, in 2011, eight countries became part of an open government partnership committed to being more open, accountable, and responsive to others. Today, that partnership has grown to 62 countries and includes Canada. So how does this open government plan work in Ontario? Well, it has three parts. The first, and perhaps the most important, is open dialogue. Open dialogue is about reaching out to Ontarians and giving them, an, a, great, giving them a greater voice in the policies we develop and in the programs and services that we deliver, and to do so in a meaningful way that recognizes that we all have a shared responsibility. What it is not about is creating more old-style town halls where politicians rent a church basement, put out bad coffee and timbits, and invite the public to come in to complain. We've all probably been there. The politicians at the front of the room, they always have about 50 seats, theater style, about six people show up, and there's two microphones where everyone lines up to ask for more money for whatever cause they're advocating for, and in the same breath tell you that their taxes are too high. And it always ends the same way. The politician says he'll try to do better or she'll try to do better, and the six participants go home in sort of this frustrated, timbit-induced haze, saying, I'll believe it when I see it. That's not citizens taking ownership of an issue, and it's certainly not government facilitating a productive discussion. We need to do things differently, but the good news is that it's already starting to happen. And let me just give you one very concrete example. Chances are everyone in this room is aware of the condo boom that's going on here in the city of Toronto and, in fact, throughout the province. You may also know that the existing Condo Act, written in a time when condominiums were not that prevalent, is in dire need of reform. So instead of calling a town hall meeting and inviting everyone to come in and complain and trying to figure out from there, the government did something different we brought together a balanced cross-section of people from all the groups who have a stake in it, from condo owners and residents to developers to lawyers to people who are simply concerned with the amount of condo development that's going on in their community. 
we created a format where all concerned could bring their ideas to the table, listen to the views of other players, and talk about possible solutions. In other words, we invited the public to take ownership of this issue and work in partnership with the government to create an act that actually works. And of course, we want to take a similar approach to consultation when it comes to developing policies and strategies related to our open government initiative itself. One of the things the Premier announced along with the initiative was the formation of an open government engagement team. This is a team of experts who are out there talking to people across the province, face to face and online, to gather their thoughts and ideas on how we can make everything we do in government more open. Now, today I'm pleased to announce that our engagement team is growing. Uh, we will be gaining a new member who, in fact, everyone in this room knows and is present here today. I'm very pleased to announce that uh, legendary Canadian broadcast journalist Don Newman will be joining the engagement team as its newest member. So welcome aboard, Don. As everyone knows, Don has decades of experience reporting on Canadian and international politics and has covered some of the most important stories in this country, and we know that he will make a very, very valuable contribution to uh, the panel as it continues its work. Now, I've seen our engagement team in action, and I'm confident that they are getting great insights into how Ontarians across the province want their government to be more open in everything we do. And by open, I mean engaged with and accessible to the people we serve. During each consultation, the team actively works with people to develop ideas and recommendations that will be included in the report back to government probably towards the end of February of next year. Now, while it's great to speak about engaging citizens, for citizens to be true partners in this discussion, they need to have access to the same type of information that policymakers have when we make our decisions. So that leads us to the second part of our plan, open information. Open information, as the name would suggest, is about providing people with easy access to the information and analysis they need to be meaningful participants in the decision-making process. Our government already shares information now in many different ways. The online posting of public sector salaries, many of you may know it as the sunshine list. We also post travel, meal, and hospitality expenses of senior officials and politicians. These are just a few examples. But we want to share even more information, and we're going to make it even easier for Ontarians to access it. We want to make it easier for the public to see what we're working on, to examine decisions and policies, and to suggest improvements and drive change. Now, the final area of our open government initiative is open data, making the facts that the government collects available in a format that is accessible and can be easily analyzed. Governments everywhere, as you can imagine, generate and collect huge amounts of data. Some of it's available to the public, but rarely in a form, to be honest, that's really useful to anyone, particularly if you live in the 21st century. So we've committed to doing two things. First, with the exception of personal privacy, we want to make all the data we collect available to the public. 
Second, we want to do so in a way that it can be easily analyzed, including creating the capacity for it to be combined with other data from other levels of government and indeed non-governmental non organizations. To that end, we've adopted a common open data license so far with Alberta, BC, the federal government and the City of Toronto. As I say, data, license, or data released under this common license becomes even more valuable because people can more easily combine it or as a technical term is, mash it together with data from all these sources. We've, here in Ontario, we've already published more than 170 data sets and if you go to Ontario's online open data catalog, you'll find data on everything from where our drinking water comes from to the location of the province's mineral deposits to how visitors to Ontario are spending their money. We'll soon be posting a public inventory for the rest of the data we're collecting and we'll be giving all Ontarians a say in what additional data they want to be made available first. Now, why is this open data important? Why is it important to you? Well, let me just give you a few examples of what the public can do with open data. In British Columbia, and there's hundreds of examples, but I'll just uh, give you two, app and web developers have taken open data government and used it to make tools that tangibly improve people's lives. The school app zone combines school location data from the Ministry of Education with car crash data from the Insurance Corporation of BC. So by using this app, parents and kids have the information they need to outline a safe route for the kids to get to school. Another example is when Typhoon Haiyan stuck in the, struck in the Philippines. Google created a person finder tool and crisis map, a web and mobile app that allows individuals to post and search for the status of family and friends affected by the disaster. It's been tracking more than 100,000 records since the typhoon. These maps have multiple layers of information drawn from a variety of open data sources, including the Philippine government and other institutions, as well as crowdsourced information. The crisis map gives people, first responders, and news organizations important up-to-date information about things like evacuation centers, hospitals and health facilities, and relief drop-off centers. Now, by tapping into this power of data, we can also spark economic growth. A new report put out by McKinsey estimates that open data can be leveraged to generate more than $3 trillion, that's with a T, that's a year, in key sectors of the global economy, including education, transportation, and electricity. Now, a good example of how open data can fuel investment, jobs and growth, is the use of geospatial data, which is estimated to have injected billions of dollars into the U.S. economy, making entirely new industries and, of course, is responsible for the GPS systems that most of us have in our cars. That's why we, the Ontario government, we want to get data into the hands of innovative businesses and entrepreneurs here in Ontario so they can use it to better understand their customers, to identify new market opportunities, and to produce new goods and services that will create jobs. So these are the three streams that make up our open government initiative in Ontario, and we're forging ahead with work on all fronts. I've already mentioned the data inventory that will be posted online for the public to vote on. 
and I've told you about the important work that our engagement team with our new member will be doing. We've also partnered with Mars to hold two idea camps where we'll be engaging with the developer community to start brainstorming app and data visualization ideas and get a sense from them about what data they might be looking for so that they can forge ahead. The first one is happening today, actually, here in Toronto, and there'll be a second one in January in Waterloo. Then all of us, I'm sure, will be celebrating International Open Data Day on February the 22nd, only 79 more sleeps, and we'll certainly be working out, reaching out to the high-tech community on that one. Open government is more than just an opportunity to reimagine government here in Ontario. It's an imperative. Overall, it means making a government that resonates with people where the democratic process is truly meaningful. It means creating the transparent, accessible government that the people of Ontario deserve, and it means strengthening their trust and confidence in the government that serves them. In short, it means doing government differently. Thank you very much. Thank you, Minister. Um, so we've got a few questions here. Let me begin with um, this one, which is near and dear to, to many people's hearts. How will the release of public uh, data ensure protection of privacy for Ontarians' information and records? And that, that of course, is, uh, is paramount. And I, I stress that when we talk about open data, uh, the first watchword has to be protecting uh, personal information. But it is amazing the amount of data that is uh, uh, collected by the province of Ontario, which uh, uh, is either in a generic form, if we're talking about uh, uh, individuals, or goes beyond. I mentioned geospatial. I meant uh, I was on the website the other day. We have location of beaver dams across the province. We've got everything. I mean, we literally collect thousands and thousands. But obviously, uh, we work very closely with the Information and Privacy Commissioner, and we want to make sure that uh, that people's privacy is is. Uh, uh, very much uh, uh, protected and is a, a major concern for us. Uh, this is a very close question. Uh, will any government records not be accessible from the open government process, for example, police records? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the process of putting uh, together uh, what data is available, and uh, one of the decision points is whether we should even uh, uh, post, because we would never let uh, certain data be available, uh, posted, we can reference it, but obviously uh, your individual health data is never going to be allowed out. Things like uh, uh, police records, anything that identifies an individual, we're not going to uh, release. But I've got to tell you, and as I, as I was speaking, I, I think there are some app developers here in the room. You know there is there's gold out there and a lot of information that has nothing to do with identifying individuals, but looking at trends, looking at uh, 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 sort of an overall look of what the province is. There's lots and lots of opportunities. I mean, I gave the one about car crashes and where schools are. So, Here's a hard-hitting one. All right. Is it about the Princess Diaries? No, it is not about the Princess Diaries. Someone like one better than two? <laughs> so this one says, when the Premier was sworn in, she said Ontario would be the most open and transparent government in Canada. Is the Open Government Initiative part of that commitment? or an attempt to deflect from other issues we read in the news? Um, 
Well, I mean, yes, it's very much part of that commitment to be the most open and transparent government. In terms of deflecting from other issues, I mean, there's sort of a two-part answer. The first part is we didn't come up with open government. Open government is an international movement. And in fact, uh, uh, you know, again, to let you all in on a little secret that you can watch on iTunes, Ontario is in fact lagging behind other jurisdictions. And within, uh, within Canada, for example, British Columbia has been doing a lot of great uh, uh, initiatives. The federal government has been very involved. So, you know, we're playing catch up. But in terms of, you know, of course it's not deflecting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that right out. But when you look at some of the issues that we've been dealing with, and, you know, I'll say it out loud, it's about citing large energy projects. And what is the uh, critique of that? Is that the community was not consulted at the beginning, that we didn't have a proper process for citing them. So the question is, and the question, in fact, we've asked the Justice Committee to look at, as opposed to the sort of gotcha back and forth, the question is, how can we do this better? What's the role of the community? How do we engage the community? And let me stress, this is not about nimbyism. This isn't about, uh, I remember as a kid, I was told, when you get old, um, which I guess I am now, you won't have, uh, you know, politicians will be very different because every night you'll go home, I remember someone explaining this, every night you'll go home and at 7 o'clock there'll be a little show and there'll be a button that you can push and of course no one knew that we'd have the internet, you actually can and you know, do you want capital punishment? Well everyone will push a button and uh, I guess one week we'll have it, one week we won't but we're not talking about, we're talking about engagement, we're not talking about that, we're not talking about uh, going out and polling people. We're talking about engaging people on, on tough decisions. Energy siting, where do you site a large energy project? That's a tough decision. We need to engage the community, we need to engage all the stakeholders and come to a, 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 an agreement that people can live with. That's one of the, the weaknesses that we had that led to uh, the two that uh, have been such topics of conversation and that's what we're asking for advice on is how do you engage people, how do you do this in, in a partnership type of way, but I stress not simply a, well let's all take a poll and uh, uh, everyone can press a button. Uh, one last question, these are two questions which I will lump together. Um, my answers are too long. <laughs> no, not at all. So this one says, there have been expert teams and panels before. So can you talk a little bit about how the members of the Open Government Engagement Team were selected in this case and what makes this team so special? Sure. I mean, we, we reached out to get uh, uh, leading experts in a variety of areas, the three that I've, I've outlined. Uh, the chair of it is a gentleman by the name of Don Lenahan, who's with the Public Policy Forum. He, in fact, led the condominium uh, work that I outlined or is in the process of leading it and is very much an expert in, in, in open engagement. But we wanted to get a good cross-section. We have uh, Norm Sterling who is a former, uh, uh, excuse me, provincial cabinet minister who was actually involved in drafting some of the early access to information uh, uh, work that uh, the province of Ontario had. The one gap, very candidly, we had, we didn't have anyone from the journalism field, which is why we're so absolutely delighted to have Don with us uh, uh, because he brings such great experience and and really, journalists are, are one of the key consumers of, of uh, open information and open data and, and open government. But in terms of, of, you know, is this another panel? As I said, this is not a group that meets in, in hot church basements with, with bad timbits. When they're doing their consultation, it is engaging people, it's breakout sessions. I mean, I encourage you, if you do have an opportunity to go online or even attend one of these, it's very much about a different kind of conversation with people where you educate them on the issues, people get to hear each other's views, there's some give and take and uh, together we uh, uh, can start to, to work towards uh, some answers to some of these issues. 
Uh, again, I, I, it's, not the, it's not the angry uh, uh, church basement, but it's also not simply, well, here's the issue, let's have a show of hands, let's move forward. It's that middle ground where you make people part of the decision-making process and uh, 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 look at things from all different perspectives. Minister, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Malloy, for taking the time to answer our questions and for engaging us with your government's exciting new initiative. Open Ontario speaks to your government's commitment to transparency and innovation, two key features of effective public service delivery that are more important now than ever. As you pointed out, we must harness the many benefits of the technological age to ensure that access to data meets the needs of the end user, the public. Governments all over the world, particularly our, particularly our southern neighbours, know how important it is to make information easy to find, understand and use. I believe that your ministry sets some very high standards in this regard. As you travel the province promoting Open Ontario, I hope your message will be as well received as it was here this afternoon. Thank you once again for joining us. We'd also like to express sincere thanks to today's event sponsors, Google Canada. Thank you for making this event possible. And before I adjourn today's meeting, I would like to draw your attention to the event survey card located at each of your tables. The Canadian Club is always looking for ways to improve your experience. So please take a minute to help us by sharing your thoughts and comments. We very much appreciate your feedback. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We're grateful to Rogers TV for their continued promotion of Canadian Club events. To learn more about the club or our future events, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. Thank you for joining us. This meeting is now adjourned.